2: Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com.
1: Oh, my draft is in the 7th round after the first day in your face. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Trade Cast, brought to you by Roto-Viz Radio and MyFFPC. Alrighty, I know we've had some some time with Dan and I, just uh, us two rolling for a little bit, but we're a little bit changing up some things today. We did an audible, hut hut. Dan is out, as far as we know. He could end up, you know, sneaking in at some point, but he's likely out. And in this place is going to be our fantastic editor slash occasional guest co-host, Justin Peake. How's it going tonight, Justin?
3: Going great. SFB day. So, been pretty excited today. Just got back from a long trip, too. So, been recovering from that. And we get already three rounds into that draft. It's been fun.
1: There you go. I mean, I'm sure there's people that are listening to this as it's being published and saying that they're still only at pick 15 (laughs) and they want to strangle you. Uh, Nothing more popular in SFB than uh, people getting angry about being, you know, not far along enough. People bragging, oh, my draft is in the seventh round after the first day in your face. And so (laughs) SFB, uh, obviously, if you don't know about SFB, I'm not sure what you're doing, but it's the the now 1,200 team tournament 112 team leagues basically you know a tournament hosted by the one and only scott fish and justin got his first ever entry so you know we have to assume that that's because of the nice straight guess right
3: i can't think of any other reason why it would have happened it came on (laughs) on the fourth of july too i you know was all but resigned that i wasn't getting a spot it was just one of the fan spots so it wasn't an analyst thing but I gotta think it still had something to do with having jumped in to help out with y'all that he decided to give me a shot.
1: There we go. All righty, before we get into the show, I'm gonna give you guys the, the good old RotoViz read. Rotoviz, the Patreon is back for a second season. It's better than ever, and patronships start at just six dollars per month. We now offer exclusive access to Rotoviz Radio Slack where you can ask questions and gain league-winning advice from many of the podcast and writing team. Patreons also get first dibs on listener league spots, leagues starting soon. And in the $9 tier, you get some sweet roto Radio merch, too, at the end of the season. Become a roto Radio patron today. Join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, do your part in helping the network grow, and continue to help produce high-quality, industry-leading programs. Patreon.com slash roto Radio. And don't forget, speaking of exclusives, as a little podcast listener, you get 10% off roto NFL Pass right now. Available through the NFL podcast homepage, Rotoviz.com slash podcast. Uh, get ready for uh, the beginning of the season. It's coming up before you know it. Training camp's about to happen. Gain limited access to all of our NFL content and tools so you get amazing value and support the podcast network. Once again, it's rotoviz.com slash podcast. So rotoviz.com slash podcast, patreon.com slash radio. Get to supporting these shows. All right, so the last week we covered – how will they bust? We covered the scenarios in which certain players will become busts based on their dynasty ADP. Obviously, that's a little bit negative. So we're a little more <laughs> positive this week. We're going to be more happy, some cheery. We're talking about how will they break out. We're going to talk about how certain players will be exceeding their ADP and the scenarios that will happen for that to happen. And, of course, the players that you know will benefit or, or be hurt by those breakouts as well. So first one, how will they break out? Wide receiver Curtis Samuel has a 92 ADP right now. How will Curtis Samuel break out, Justin?
3: I mean, I think the biggest thing, this is the first first offseason he's had where he's actually been healthy, at least uh, knock on wood so far. So I think that's going to be a, a big boost for him to be able to go into this year and be able to have gotten kind of that chemistry and everything. Obviously, a lot of that is going to depend on Cam's healthiness as well, yeah. You know, with the loss of uh, Devin Funchess and him being able to come in and uh, again with a healthy offseason, be able to soak up those targets and everything. What what targets he had, just with obviously he's got a completely different game than Funchess has and everything, but should be able to be able to light it up. Any other any other thoughts?
1: I I think that the one of the keys to a Curtis Samuel breakout is a reduction in the role from Christian McCaffrey. Certainly that is, you know, he's being drafted as a top three pick and redraft. So it's not anticipated that he's going to lose some work, but I will say that if they do scale his his work back at all, it is, you know, it will be a great benefit to Curtis Samuel because, you know, he's going to get some more of that work out of the backfield, possibly, you know, some end around some, uh, you know, receiving out of the backfield as well as just traditional wide receiver work as well. So, Curtis Samuel is one of those, you know, he's a gadget player, but he has ways to have success outside of just the gadget. So you get the, you know, the bonus of what a, what a Patterson would bring if in his optimal scenario, but also he is just a good wide receiver as well. So um, I, I think that you have to have some reduction in a role for Christian McCaffrey for him, but full breakout. But also I, I think that you just have to have the Panthers become more of a not necessarily pass happy. They don't have to be, like, in the top ten of passing in the league, but they just have to not be the run-heaviest team in the league.
3: It seems like a lot of the NFL teams, especially with the the girly, you know, end of the season last year, you know, want to go a little bit more with not loading up their, their running backs. So we definitely could see that out of Christian McCaffrey as well. And that would definitely definitely help be able to spread things out a little bit more. He definitely had a huge, huge part of that offense last year.
1: Now, the, those that are fans of Curtis Samuel, I have seen some say that that would then hurt the potential breakout of a DJ Moore, a guy who has a higher ADP probably in the 40s or 50s right now. Some say, oh, don't draft DJ Moore because Curtis Samuel will break out. Do you think a Curtis Samuel breakout you know, prevents a DJ Moore breakout, or could they both have breakout-type fantasy seasons? I definitely don't think
3: uh, so. If there are any issues with, with Cam's health, then I mean... I don't know that really any of, either of them could live up to their ADP. But assuming that Cam is healthy, I definitely think he can support both of those. It is going to be a, an efficient offense with, you know, if Cam is healthy with McCaffrey and everything he can do and, you know, having Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, there's going to be, you know, a lot of places that defenses are going to have to cover and they're going to be able to be efficient. I don't see any reason why cam can't support both of them, you know, and there's, there's not really any competition for Curtis to not be, uh, you know, the wide receiver too there. Yeah. You've got Olsen and Ian Thomas that can soak up some targets too, but you know, with Olsen's age and everything, it's, you know, he's definitely a risk that he may not stay on the field and everything. And then Ian Thomas, I don't, I don't think he's necessarily a threat. Obviously both those are going to have a completely different game to Curtis Samuel and, to DJ Moore as well, so to so know, I, I think that that offense definitely can have them both. You know, like I said, the only real concern is is Cam being on the field.
1: All righty, let's move on to our next player, and it's going to be a fan favorite of myself, and that is Sam Darnold, quarterback, New York Jets, currently being drafted at one twenty-two overall, so around that tenth round range of twelve team startups. This is a guy that I, I was drafting heavily when he was being drafted in mid late second round of rookie drafts. And I still think is a good value now. You know, obviously, value is a little bit decreased after not the best rookie season, but but not bad enough that you should be running away. Maybe like your Josh Allen's, you know, mm-hmm. passing numbers were. Uh, so Sam Darnold, they didn't really invest in the draft or in free like we possibly thought they would. They're kind of just entering with Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunma. I guess the one big investment in weapons would be Le'Veon Bell. So is is Le'Veon Bell a key role in the Sam Darnold breakout?
3: Oh, I definitely think Bell's going to have to be able to mesh with that offense and come in, come in, swinging with you know a full year off and you know go into a new offense. That definitely is something that would be a concern with Bell. But if he does come in and and meshes well, I don't, I don't see how that can't improve Darnold's you know stock and everything and his his ability to be able to make plays uh, just with everything getting spread out a little bit more, you know, Bell's obviously a, a much better talent than anything they had last year, uh, anywhere on the field. Um, so just with him, him getting on, like I said, if he does, if he's able to step right in and basically be, be the Le'Veon Bell that he was with Steelers two years ago, you know, if he can step right in to, and have that kind of talent level again, then, I mean, that's going to help everybody on that offense, especially Darnold, that everything runs through. Uh, and then, you know, with Bell being a kind of a dual role at pass catching back, you know, that all is still going to feed through Darnold, too. So, yeah, I think that his breakout this year will definitely hinge on on Bell and kind of how he melds with that offense.
1: Yeah, I, I think that we might be a year early on projecting a breakout for Darnold because we need what we were expecting entering the season. We need that wide receiver one alpha, whether it's in free agency or whether it's in the draft. Maybe they go out and try and acquire Michael Thomas if he doesn't get a long-term deal in New Orleans. But in all likelihood, it'll end up being the draft, which everyone is anticipating uh, the 2020 wide receiver class being amazing, so along with the running backs. But anyways, with with Darnold, obviously, Anderson runs a bit hot and cold, Robbie Anderson, but I I think he's good enough to be – a wide receiver one on a team that ha- that has like a QB2 a guy who's in like that QB like 15 to QB 20 range and that's kind of what you have to expect from Darnold and i think anything higher than that would be a quote unquote breakout All right, let's move on to a pair of players, a pair of Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers. Deontay Johnson out of Toledo going 176 overall in startups and James Washington going 93 overall in startups. Is there a favorite between these two in terms of value and how you project a possible breakout?
3: I would obviously think that James Washington is more likely to get that role But especially with just how much higher his ADP is, I think Deontay Johnson does have a chance to be able to to step in there. And if he does get any significant work, then he's definitely going to shoot up. I don't necessarily know that he would be – it's going to be a far stretch to say that he's more than even a flex play this year. But if he if he's soaking up really any targets and competing with, you know, Washington or Moncrief and, you know, getting work in that offense, then, you know, that ADP is going to shoot up significantly from 176.
1: Yes. So you did mention it. The, the key factor in avoiding these two from breaking out would be Dante Moncrief, you know, taking up those wide receiver two targets. And certainly Ben Offensburg has shown that the wide receiver three can be relevant there. But I, I, I don't like the wide receiver three has been relevant there when like the top two wide receivers have been Antonio Brown and Emmanuel Sanders or Antonio Brown and Juju Smith Schuster. So, you know, I don't think they quite have that little level of talent, the wide receiver position right now. I, I do think that the wide receiver two there, whether it be Johnson or, or Washington, certainly I, I favored Washington as a prospect. I favor Washington now but I don't think that the separation and possible breakout potential between Washington and Johnson is indicative of their ADP price. I I do think that Washington should be a guy that you're targeting in like the mid to late second round of rookie drafts or a guy that you're trying to send a future second for, because, you know, future first have some volatility because they, you know, an early first is so much more valuable than, than a, than a late first. And it changes value over the course of the year. You know, even if like you, you trade for a future second and it becomes an early second, it's not like you hit the jackpot. It's like oh, I got the better range of outcomes, but it's not like you stole a future pick like you would if you were trading for a possible a pick that ended up being an early first.
3: There's there's a lot, just like you said. There's a lot different value uh, between beginning of the first and end of the first versus the beginning of the second end of the second. So sending sending a second to get you know get somebody like that is definitely going to be a you know fair value for what he's going for right now you know like i said doesn't open you up to that risk of you know if if the rest of your team doesn't perform i had that happen in one of your leagues last year where i uh thought i i didn't think i would win necessarily but thought it'd be a playoff team and all of a sudden my pick was the 101 and i had traded it and it definitely stings so that's a a very real risk but the second it's not you know I wasn't even thinking and going back and looking at what I traded my second for in that. So you're definitely right with that.
1: What impact do you think Vance McDonald has, uh, or even, you know, the running backs in Pittsburgh have on the potential breakout of that wide receiver too?
3: Vance McDonald, I think is going to have a solid year uh, with, you know, having Jesse James leaving and him being able to be the sole tight end. Obviously we've seen Ben, you know, throw to his tight ends plenty and make them, you know, relevant. So. You know i I think he's definitely gonna be some competition there, and I am kind of leaning towards that Connor isn't gonna have necessarily that you know he kind of stepped right into that bell role that did everything, and I think they saw that that's not necessarily the best play, and you know Samuels was more than more than fine, and you know Snell being able to uh, get some of that red zone work. Um, I think they're going to be spreading that out more, so I don't know that necessarily the running backs are going to soak up as much of of those targets with them. I don't know that they're on the field at the same time to soak up that, but definitely I think Vance McDonald has some of that risk to be able to to take those. I mean, and there's a real risk of that offense just not being as effective as as what it's been in the past. You know, with so many pieces leaving, and you know, been been not being able to support. As many wide receivers as he has in the past.
1: Yeah, he's he's certainly getting older, and they might try and lean on Connor in the run game more so than than they Mm -hmm. have in the past. Or even we talked about Benny Snell. Maybe it was last week. You know, possibly taking some carries. So you know, maybe they try and transition to a more run run heavy offense, like we've kind of seen with Tom Brady with with the Patriots. You know, they they've run it a bunch with with Sony Michelle, and now they're going to do it with Damian Harris. So. Let's move on to uh, our next player. It's going to be JJ, our Sega Whiteside of the Philadelphia Eagles, currently going off the board at 105 overall. Uh, I will say our Sega Whiteside is an interesting player because I-, I feel like most of Twitter analysts and-, and-, and fantasy writers value him higher than where they're actually taking him. Like most of the time, when I see JJ Arcega-Whiteside tweets in relation to, oh, I, I traded this for him, or oh, I drafted him at this position. Everyone is always just assuming they got a steal, and I'm one of those guys. I I I took Arcega-Whiteside many times in that like 201 to 204 inch. and I think that's you know a great value for him, especially for those that are saying like, oh, I'd rather have a future second over the 201, which is just silly, especially if you can get Arcega-Whiteside. So, have you seen kind of a similar thing with our White side like basically when people get them they think they're getting a steal.
3: Oh yeah, I mean, it definitely I th- I think you're right that he is worth, you know, at least a late first. And so everybody that's getting him in the early second is getting some value there, but you're right that it is so common. I I've seen it so much more often where he is going in in the early second. So, it almost seems Uh, you know that yeah that's what his value is but it's not what his value is kind of like kind of like what you're saying that uh, you know everybody is basically taking him in the second there's so many people obviously that because others are getting him in the early second people are passing on it in the first uh, a lot of people so i don't know that that's what his true value is because i've seen him go you know in the second some so often but i definitely think he should be you know in the in that late first he's uh, definitely talented.
1: I, I will say, well, let's go back to the, the general question at hand and it is how will they break out? I, 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 this has always been the case with Alshon Jeffrey basically since like his breakout season with Chicago, they've been trying to put him in the grave ever since then. And they're doing it once again. And I think that the breakout of our Sega white side in the health or lack thereof Alshon Jeffrey don't necessarily need to be directly correlated. Yes, you do have a high volume tight end in Zach Ertz and you have a legitimate tight end too in Dallas Goddard. But I think that it's more to do with a Nelson Aguilar fade-out And that mm-hmm. they could just end up saying, all right, Aguilar, like, you know, you're a good role player, a guy who can be a wide receiver three for us. But at the end of the day, our Sega White like, side, is there a wide receiver two who we're developing into a wide receiver one?
3: Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, it, it is going to have less to do with Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, I I, I think he it will eventually fade out to where J.J. will eventually be the, the wide receiver one, but he's got that talent to be that. And, you know, I don't know that, like, we've seen Aguilar do some good things, but I, I don't think he's he would be able to carry that role. And that's exactly where I think he's going to end up you know, if if Job breaks out, it's at the expense of Aguilar this year. Like I said, not not as much at the expense of, of Jeffrey, but if Aguilar fades out and everything, then that, that definitely is gonna open up that role for him to step in right away and he at least has the the talent and ability to be become that one down the road. I don't think he's you know, he's obviously not gonna be that this year. But
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean with horse Whites right side, I do think that people are not accounting for his possible ceiling. I think people are mostly considering this a red shirt year uh, behind Alshon mm-hmm. and behind Aguilar, which is certainly a possibility, but he was drafted in the second round. He's had 16 yards per catch every year of his college career, had 14 touchdowns last year, 1,059 yards in a pretty run heavy offense, if I'm remembering correctly at Stanford. So I think that. You know, he's being valued somewhat correctly in terms of a, a a draft prospect. But I do think people are kind of either one completely dismissing Jeffrey or two completely dismissing Arsega Whiteside. And I don't think either of those should be the case in the short term. Alrighty, let's move on to letting you guys know that high road of his fans. I'm going to give you a brief second, and then I'm going to tell you our good friends the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been 10 years since the FFPC filled their first Dynasty League, and they've now grown to the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner, with leagues as high as $5,000 answer. FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. Brand new Dynasty Startup Leagues are forming right now, not yesterday, not tomorrow, right now, right now, starting at $77 and up in standard, super flex, and best ball formats. And for those of you ready for your greatest challenge yet, take a look at this year's FFPC main event. What is the main event exactly? It's the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football. And this year it's coming at you with a half a million dollar grand prize and over 3.1 million in total prizes. Come to Las Vegas for a three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino. Or draft online from the comfort of your home. Find out more about the main event deadline coming up in just a few days on Monday, July 22nd. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes baseball. All righty. So now that everyone has paused their podcast service and has gotten their FFPC main event team, and then they've said if they win, they will give at least 6% to the Nice Tradecast uh, team. <laughs> so let's move on to our next one. I feel like this is an interesting one because I don't think many people are projecting this as a possible breakout, but it's Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman 97 overall and I guess I'll start with the obvious of how this this breakout would happen and it would be Phil Lindsay is Thomas Rawls he's a one year undrafted free agent guy who flames out due to injury or just not being good enough long term and Royce Freeman was a day two pick a guy who you know uh, is going to be you know inserted into the lineup and guy who's going to get the the carries uh how do you see a possible Royce Freeman breakout
3: yeah, definitely. I mean, it has to come at the expense of Philip Lindsay. There, you know, he he would need to step up into that role that he was drafted to last year. Uh, I definitely think with with it, with the draft capability has that he's, you know, likely going to get that shot again and and be able to still have that chance to to be able to step up and fill that role. But you know, he's going to. I mean, Lindsay. <laughs> Lindsey looked really good last year, and uh, you know I don't know that it's going to happen without an injury or or something to Lindsey for for Freeman, unless he just really shows out.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I do think that it doesn't necessarily have to be an injury because Denver is going to insert him in the lineup to try and prove their draft pick correct. And that's always the case when you're looking at guys who have two very different draft capitals. Now I'm not necessarily saying go out and buy Freeman because it, I mean, obviously from what we saw in year one, Philip Lindsay's a better running back and Mm -hmm. the, the price are indicative of that. I'm pretty sure that Lindsay's probably going like the 60 to 70 range, you know, 20 or 25 picks ahead of, of Freeman. But I do think that his ADP of 97 is kind of assuming that, that Lindsay's the RB one. And I don't think that that's something you can assume quite yet. Sure. If, if, if you see more of what we saw the rookie year from, from Lindsay, then you can assume that, that the RB two is, is Freeman, but I don't think we can assume that quite yet.
3: Yeah. Lindsay actually was 64 for uh, June. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely quite a bit higher than Freeman. And, and like, I mean, deservedly so after what he showed last year, I, I do think like, you like you said, be just with that, the draft capital difference, they're definitely going to give Freeman a chance to be able to surpass him, but he's, you know, definitely gonna have to have to show that he deserves it, and and better than he did last year.
1: All right, so I'll get your take on this. You have the the quarterback battle, if there even is one. Is, <laughs> is it just Joe Flacco's to lose, and then and then possibly Drew Locke comes in later in the season, or comes in possibly next year? Is there a quarterback between the two that would help the potential of a Royce Freeman breakout, or do you think it's more just about his battle with Lindsay?
3: I would think that it's more his battle with Lindsay. I don't know that, especially this year. I'm not expecting that battle. I've never been a Joe Flacco fan, but I can't imagine them acquiring him and then and then sitting him this year already. You know, I, I think they had enough with uh, looking at trying to find the quarterbacks and going and sticking them in early and you know not not getting anything out of it. So, uh, I think they're ready this year for that to just be completely Joe Flacco. So, I don't know that that there's really a whole lot of chance for, for Locke to come in. And I don't think Flacco is going to be so unsuccessful that they need to go to Locke. Obviously they're, you know, if, if there's an injury, then that's what they'll end up doing. But, you know, I I just don't see really Flacco being bad enough that they they decide they need to go ahead and go to him. And then that would change anything for either running back.
1: If there is one thing that benefits Freeman from the offense, it is the fact that the passing game doesn't look good, no matter who mm-hmm. is at quarterback right now. And then when you look at the wide receivers, you have, you know, Court and Sutton, who we talked about last week. We have Deshaun Hamilton. And I, I don't think you can count on Emmanuel Sanders doing anything uh, this year, and there's nothing no. behind him that I know of. So if you can count on anything for Freeman, it's the fact that he'll get carries simply because they'll need to run the ball. Maybe they won't be able to afford to because the team won't be as good. But I do think there will be some rushing volume to be had in that offense.
3: Yeah, they definitely. I mean, could both get a decent amount of volume to be able to really show which one of them is going to be better with it, uh, and and still get plenty of carries throughout the season to really prove which one they need to be going with going forward. You know, I, I don't think if Freeman can't show it this year that he necessarily gets a third year to to show that stuff. If if Lindsey still does everything he did last year.
1: All righty, let's move on to our next one, and it is. Alexander Madison, he was the last pick of day two or maybe one of the last picks of day two. Third round pick, goes to the Minnesota Vikings. Not much behind him in Minnesota. It's pretty much just Dalvin Cook and Alex Madison. So, I mean, I'll just throw the the obvious answer out here. The obvious answer is Alexander Madison breaks out because Dalvin Cook gets hurt. But, (laughs) so I guess I'll leave the hard part to you. Without a Dalvin Cook injury, how does Alexander Madison break out? It's been kind of funny
3: with with Madison that he kind of blew up on a couple, you know, Twitter's always fun to try to find the sleepers. You know, nobody really wants to talk a whole lot about the guys that everybody knows are going to be great. They want to find the sleepers and everything. And I think at Madison's value, you know, that 140 ADP has definitely been pushed up from so many people wanting to talk about him and especially him, you know, getting drafted to the Vikings and, you know, with Cook's injury history. But I definitely, I mean, I don't know that necessarily has to happen from an injury to Cook, but just with his injury history, there's the risk of Minnesota not wanting to give him a ton of carries and load him up and, you know, be that, you know, workhorse back to potentially get injured again. And so that I could see Madison developing a role there just from having enough, uh, being able to take enough carries from. That situation I think it's probably kind of a cop-out because it still has to do with with Cook's injury history but I would still say it's that's probably where that's gonna have to come from Cook had enough draft capital and everything too that I, I think he's gonna have a shot and you know it's it's definitely gonna be his to lose I think without an injury and You know, he's been, Cook's been talented when he's on the field. That's really been his only downfall, is just his inability to stay on the field. So it'd take him staying, like not being injured and being quite a bit worse for Madison to really be able to develop much and definitely be tough if it's not not from an injury or, like I said, from just them trying to save uh, Cook from another injury.
1: Madison is a guy that I think I'm going to start sending some feeler offers out. It may just end up being a case of, you know, the highest guy on him ended up drafting him in rookie drafts. But I do think that he is undervalued at this point. I, I think that it, it's interesting because I don't think that many teams draft a running back on day two in the third round of the draft to be a backup. Like,
2: you mm-hmm. know, I know
1: that Twitter talks about how running backs don't matter. If running backs don't matter, backup running backs certainly don't matter. So why is a team investing a second day draft pick, a third round draft pick, in in a running back and a backup running back at that? You know, we saw that with Daryl Henderson, and now we're seeing with um, we saw with Madison as well. And so Henderson is getting more of the okay, this guy's more than just a backup. And I think that soon people will start to realize Madison has a shot to be more than just a backup. You know, take on that Latavius role with the upside of a possible RB one with an injury.
3: He can definitely. Potentially be that, and you know, I, I would say that his his draft capital, I think, is still potentially a result of Cook's injury history mm-hmm. and them feeling like they need to take somebody that high so that they have somebody because they know the risk of needing a backup. So I would say just with who was in front of him that isn't necessarily the case that he like they're planning on him being a backup. I, I would think that they're fully prepared for them him needing to step into that role and that's that's why they still drafted him, you know, as early as they did. But, you know, he definitely could still, you know, if he can take what touches he, he will get just from, you know, being coming into Spell Cook and produce with them and, and be efficient, then he can definitely I mean, that's what kind of what Latavius had done. He was pretty efficient with what, what touches he got. And if he can yeah, if he can do the same thing, he can definitely carve something out like that.
1: All right, let's move on to our last player, and it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, currently going at 150 overall. Oh, by the way, I should have said this when we talked about Darnold. Uh, these are one QB ADP numbers, obviously, you know, Superflex two QB. Darnold would be going above 122. Jackson would be going above 150. So let's talk about Lamar Jackson for a bit. And once again, I'll introduce the obvious part of the argument. Maybe I'll go a little bit deeper since I gave, I, I caught, I, I took the easy part away from you last time. I'll do it again. Uh, Lamar Jackson needs more passing volume, pretty simple. <laughs> needs more passing volume needs less rushing volume so that he can stay healthy. But the, the key is that he's going to get that more passing volume because they invested highly Marquise Brown in the first round. Miles boykin in the third round and so they're making sure that he doesn't have to always run all the time but there still is the fantasy upside the fantasy you know floor as well of he's still going to get running work even if they try and reduce it from you know okay this guy's going to get 14 carries a game to nine carries a game those nine carries are still incredibly valuable and could result in you know five six seven fantasy points added onto your passing day
3: yeah i definitely agree You know, I I really like the wide receivers that they drafted with uh, Marquise Brown and Boykin. I think both of them are, especially Boykin, I think can step in early and be somebody that's, I don't know that he's ever going to be a, you know, necessarily that wide receiver one, but I think he's got enough talent right now that he can step in and play a role. And then, you know, Brown may need a little bit more development in my eyes, but he definitely is going to be somebody that is going to be a huge asset for Lamar Jackson. And I think a lot of it last year, I mean, they weren't, they weren't really, it didn't seem like they were prepared to put Lamar Jackson in when they did. And they tried to not throw the ball with him and let him run. And they just developed that offense for what they felt he was capable of at the time. Feel like with a full off season and you know them knowing that, that exactly what they're going to be doing with him, that they're going to be able to build a little bit better offense for him, and that he is going to be able to like I said, he'll still have that rushing. It won't be as heavy as what what he had last year, but and then you know have a, a greater greater passing game. I would think that he's <laughs> he's got to be more efficient than he was last year too. But having a greater volume will definitely help that as well. And, you know, be able to see him develop. I think he definitely has a chance and he's, you know, being undervalued a lot. You know, I've seen him a lot later than 150 in several, several drafts. So I can see him outperforming that ADP even this year. And definitely with the development of those two rookie wide receivers, you know, going forward, if he can still keep the job that he can be even better in future years.
1: All right, so we'll wrap up the show with this, and the question is, uh, we talked about the wide receivers here, who benefits most from a Lamar Jackson passing breakout? Do you think it's Mark Ingram, who, who did have success in the passing game with New Orleans, even with Kamara, you know, sharing a backfield with him, or is it Justice Hill, the, the young back?
3: I would think that it'd be Justice Hill that is going to benefit most. I think they're – it seems to me that they're planning on – I mean, yes, Mark Ingram does have those abilities, but that's not – what they're planning on using him for, he was able to be as good of a pass catcher with Breeze in that offense. I don't know that with Lamar that he's gonna be able to have quite that that role, and I don't think they're they're planning on that for him. So I, I feel like Justice Hill would better benefit from that. So that's what I would lean toward is Justice Hill. But I mean, Markingham does have that ability. They they could end up using him that way.
1: All righty, that'll wrap up our show for today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, hopping on with us, Justin. We always appreciate it. And we will uh, let you know that you should subscribe to uh, Rotoviz Radio, leave a rating and interview, uh, say how you like uh, Justin more than Dan, and we'll fire him. Uh, <laughs> take the money for ourselves. And uh, we really appreciate all you guys listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Ta-do. Here we go. <laughs>
2: The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season, 40 to 75% off everything, plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99, logo styles from $16.99, and jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.